that we know. And he was telling me he was in the middle of a chemistry lab. And it was a really a difficult lab. It was over two lab periods of time. And what they were given was a substance. And they had to do a number of tests on this particular substance in both of these labs in order at the end of the second lab to be able to identify this unknown substance. And if they got it on the first try, they got an A. If they got it on the second try, they got a C. Third try, a D. And if they didn't get it in three tries, they got a zero. And they were in between the two labs and they were distraught because they had done some things wrong on the first lab and they didn't know what it was, what had happened, but things weren't working correctly and they just knew from where they were they could not get the right answer because things had gone so awry. They, they could not get there from here. It just wasn't going to happen. And they were right. They went up to the second day of the lab and they did it and did everything with as much precision and care as they could. But at the end of the day, got a zero because they couldn't get there from here given what had happened in the first set of experiments. That's a little bit what we find in our passage today with Israel. We're, we're going to... Remember, they're coming back into Jerusalem after being dragged into exile. Ezra, who we're going to read from today, is, is leading them. He's the, the expert in the law, the priest, the teacher. And the, the temple has now been rebuilt in chapter 6. Ezra has arrived on the scene in chapter 7. Chapter 8, all the preparations were made. The furnishings were brought in. And, and they were at the, the, that beginning point, launch day, for the, the return fully of Israel in, into the practices of Israel in their new temple. And we enter in chapter 9 where Ezra speaks clearly to the people that if you want to be God's people, if you want to get there, there's something wrong here. And you're not going to be able to get there from here unless we address the here and now. It's our passage, Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. It's found on page 372 of your pew Bible. Or you can follow along on the the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this, your written word. And we ask that you will continue to speak to us clearly, precisely. That we might hear your good and perfect word to encourage and to correct. Lead us. In the ways of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Ezra chapter 9, verses 1 through 4. After these things, which were all that I just recounted, the refurnishing of the the temple, after these things had been done, the officials approached me and said, The people of Israel... 
The priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the peoples of the land with their abominations. From the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and for their sons. Thus the holy seed has mixed itself with the peoples of the lands. And in this faithlessness, the officials and leaders have led the way. When I heard this, I tore my garment and my mantle and pulled hair from my head and beard and sat appalled. Then all who trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the faithlessness of the returned exiles gathered around me while I sat appalled until the evening sacrifice. Because of the the mixed marriages of Israel with the people of the surrounding lands and how that brought foreign religious practices and foreign gods and foreign idols into the homes and into the people, intermingled with the people. Ezra shouted to the people as he had heard what was reported to him and said, Stop! You, you can't get there from here. We've got to change here. I mean, Ezra responds with, with horror, distress, hysteria even. Appalled at the disobedience, or what Ezra calls the faithlessness of the people. His, Ezra's clear response, focused response, demonstrates to us the effects of disobedience. What what happens when we live in ways that are contrary to God, ways that that harm our communion with God, that that hurt us, that hurt others, and and that hurt God? And, And Ezra sees that in what the people of Israel are doing, and he cries out to them in repentance, in lament, knowing that Israel's not going to fulfill the purpose that God has for them in bringing them back and rebuilding the temple and being the place where the rescue operation of the, the world will continue. We must see through Ezra's eyes and through the eyes of the whole Scripture the power of sin, the power of faithlessness, of, of disobedience to destroy us, to hinder us, to lead us astray. I mean, Jesus said much the same. When in the book of Matthew, it says if your eye causes you to sin, if your hand causes you to sin, pluck it out, cut it off. I mean, a rather harsh, obviously an exaggeration. But one where Jesus wants to be clear that our disobedience, the, the sin that separates us from God, that leads us down the wrong path is not just a little indiscretion. It is destructive. And it is an affront to God. That that sin that can, can eke into our lives, we can deny, overlook, step aside, 
in our minds, but in our souls and lives, we can't avoid its destructive power. I had the opportunity to go to the Pure Hope Banquet a couple of weeks ago, which is the new name for the National Coalition for the Protection of Fa- Families and Children. If nothing more, it's shorter. But I had a great opportunity there of, con- of hearing a-, a gentleman, Nate Larkin, who's going to be speaking um, at their Men of Valor Conference, which is the first part of March, the same weekend as the women's retreat that is here. So that weekend, we have opportunities for both, male and female. But Nate Larkin shared with us, he, was, he had 20 years in the ministry. And throughout that 20 years, allowed the destructive power of pornography in his life. 20 years in the ministry that he hid that from those that were around him. Shared with us at, at, at its worst It was Christmas Eve. He had a couple hours before the service and that was his first encounter with a prostitute. Sin has a way, the power of sin to destroy, to to hide, to somehow give us ability to deny its destructive power in our lives. And Ezra cries out to the people of Israel, as Jesus cries out to us. Make it right. Don't don't deny it. Don't let the destructive power of sin continue to pull it, pull you down the wrong pathway of destruction and affront to God. In a, a group this large, there will be some of us that are actively struggling with addictions powered by greed or lust. Hear the words of Ezra. Follow the example of the Israelites who repented of their sin. If you read on into chapter 9 and and 10, who, who made changes in their lives. And each of us have our own battle with the sin nature within us that that leads us in part of our lives to to cheat or to lie, to steal, to, to let some human hunger run amok over its appropriate place in our lives. And there's two things from this passage that then lead us to come face to face, honestly and openly, with the the sin in our own lives. One is a a time of reflection. You you see it in Ezra, where he fasted, he prayed, he he sat before God, he cried out before God. There, There is a response simply for us to sit and listen. Ask God, as the psalmist does regularly, Show us the ways. Show me the ways that I'm wrong. That my soul is out of tune with you. That I'm missing out on your righteousness and purity. It's why we have a time of silence and confession every time that we gather to model that behavior for our own lives. And the second is, if you read the rest of the passage, 
that it, it becomes public. Meaning it's not just personal. Not that we're going to all line up before the entire group here. But that we need spiritual friends. A safe place where folks will come alongside us, challenge us, confront us. After hearing Nate Larkin and being scared since uh, we were in the same line of work, I called up a couple of friends who were in town and, and said, you know, I need a, a clergy support group where we can share our lives with one another. And one pastor that I, I talked to was rightly scared of that possibility. He said, I, that's going to take me a while to, to build up enough trust with folks to really share that kind of openness and honesty and, and to be challenged by one another. But it takes both the, the, the personal, the reflection, God speak to me, as well as the public, as well as the support with one another. And you see it all around in 12-step groups and listening sessions and counselors. And let me encourage you to take that time of reflection, to hear from God, and then to act on it with another. And there are... Certainly there's a counseling center here with listeners at the White House. There are support groups here and all over the city, 12-step groups, whatever the issue might be. Hear the cry of Ezra. It's not just an indiscretion. It's not something, well, we'll get over. It is, an, it is a sin that is an affront to God. Be open, honest with yourself, with God, and take the steps necessary to address it. And the good news, the good news, the God of grace and mercy awaits you. The God of mercy and grace awaits you. Not to beat you up, but to lead you, to to lead you to transformation. to to lead you to change, to lead you in the pathway to change the here so that indeed you can get from here to there. That the destructive habits that have been developed maybe over decades in the power of His Spirit, in the power of the community of His people can be changed, can be overcome through the support of one another and the indwelling spirit within us. Hear the good news. Just as Israel was confronted with their sin and repented and confessed, God heard their cry, accepted their repentance and led them, led them into the path of probably the greatest spiritual success in the nation of of Israel's history after the rebuilding of this temple. And we know this side of Calvary that no matter what the sin, no matter how powerful its separation between us and God and us and one another, 
in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power of sin, its guilt, its shame, and its power have been defeated. Jesus says clearly, ask and you shall receive. I invite you, as, as we now come to this time of offering, that you not just offer what's in the, what fits in the plate, but that you do take the time to reflect, to offer that, that part of you that where you sin has its hold upon you. To offer not only yourself, maybe even another. A friend, a family member that you, you see and know that they're, they're totally overwhelmed by destructive habits. Take this time of offering, not just to put our money in the plates, but to put our whole selves, what is good and what is bad, our whole selves into the very hands of God. And invite you at the conclusion of the service, and I'll remind you again that there will be elders to pray with you and for you in the prayer room. Not only for you, but in the stead of another. Or maybe it will take a couple days of reflecting and hearing from God and getting up the energy to contact somebody here at the White House or to contact me or to contact somebody you don't know. But God wants to be clear through the words of Ezra. Sin destroys us, but He wants to burst forth with life in His grace and mercy and transforming power. Let us offer all that we are to Almighty God.